What are they going to do? Probably felonies. So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. It's been a while. We're going to do a quick roundup of the tail end of 2016 and then start looking into the off-season developments. Some losers, some shakers, some free agents in the making and a couple of the big contracts that we've seen so far. So hey, we've got uh, Connor here, we've got Harry. Hey, how are you? And we've got Ronan. Hello. Dialing in all the way from Cork. How are you getting on, lads? Yeah, grand. Uh, obviously mourning the tragic loss of our uh, post-Super Bowl podcast. Ah, uh, yes. We had such an absence. We had a uh, minor technical issues, didn't make a backup, and then my computer just ate it. Mm. It was, uh, it, uh, believe me, now listeners, it was it was incredible because we were so hammered. <laughs> the worst part is it was actually quite good for the first ten minutes or so that I got through before before it died. Uh, I don't, I can't, I can't say it maintained that quality throughout. Though I feel like it probably warmed off a bit towards the end. We, we we decided we wanted hot takes, the hottest of all the takes. So they, we just went and f- taped it directly while drunk, just after the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was great. But other than that, not much. I went to a table quiz last night, won it. Feeling pretty good about myself. Just wasn't going to turn up. Did turn up without a team. So does that say a lot about your intelligence or a lot about the intelligence of the average Green member? Ah, here. Um, (laughs) To be fair, to be fair, like we had a good team. Uh, It was tight. We wanted a tiebreaker. Do you know what the tiebreak question was? Go for it. Um, So the three-way tiebreaker. How many? And it's whoever got closest one. How many counties uh, does the River Shannon run through or border? Run through or border? Yes, how many counties are on the River Shannon? Oh. Take a guess. Nine? What do you reckon, Fitz? Um, seven? It's uh, 11. Oh, okay. And we guessed 10, and the other team guessed, I think, nine. So we were really we lucky. The, the other ones guessed Q. Q, yeah, I wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, we were out there, like, frantically drawing a little map of Ireland trying to work right, out where right, all right. the. I see. My, my problem is there's some of them that I still am 100% sure. Are there or no, exist? We, we, well, we, we did have some discussion about whether or not Cavan was on the on the River Shannon. Uh, yeah, it is. It, it is. Yeah. There. We, also, we decided no. That's why we had ten instead of eleven. So apologies to your people. Yeah, though uh, I had a fairly yeah fairly intense couple of weeks of work. Grand, just kind of lots of busyness. And now we're moving into our new building, so uh, we've been getting our stuff ready for that. But on the plus side, it means we get a free half day on Friday because uh, the movers come in to take all of our shit out of our current offices at like three p.m. on Friday. So we all have to be out of there. Apart from poor Anne, who has to stay in there to the end. So she's like, I'm going to be in here until eight o'clock on Friday, <laughs> oh, and then has to go into the new offices at seven a.m. for a like wake up meeting to make sure she knows the process for us all moving into the new offices. So that'll be fun. What about yourself, Fitz? How's all in Cork? Grand, uh, in the middle of development hell uh, at work. That's uh, fine, actually. Just it's tipping along. And I uh, was in Galway over the weekend for uh, an old hacks debate on. So that was actually great for her, actually. Yeah, I saw, I saw the, I saw the mm. list of quotes that came from it. That it definitely mm. seemed interesting. <laughs> yeah, beer and talking shite. You know the usual. Yeah, it's all this. Ended up staying at the... Well, it's 6am, and now uh, still feeling it uh, this <laughs> <laughs> That's it. The working world doesn't give you a chance to just take a day off and just sleep it off. Just, That's it. Uh, uh, the public sector does. Public sector does. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> so I suppose that's Enjoy your fucking pinch. Oh, shit. Might as well... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
we might as well crack into it. We've got a fair bit to get through. Uh, we'll start with a roundup of some of the end of the 2016 season. So we'll fly through a couple of coaching moves that happened since we spoke to you last. We kind of knew about this one already, but it's now confirmed. Shanahan is now going to be head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Adam Peters has been hired as VP of personnel. Uh, obviously, it's a good spot that he's managed to get a head coaching job. It's not a good spot that he's managed to get a head coaching job. Uh, do we see success for him here? Not initially. It'll take a lot of work. But I think I think our, our biggest question when we analyse this, when the rumours are coming around, is will the ownership give him enough time to actually do a full rebuild? Uh, Adam Peters is an interesting hire. He's very well, he's very well regarded from the Denver organisation. And obviously with a GM and John Lynch with not that much experience, he could have a lot more influence than the average VP of personnel. So some interesting news in San Francisco, but this is a multi-year project. There's no doubt of that. Yeah, of course. His replacement in Atlanta, then Steve Sarkeesian, has come out of the college game and out of rehab, presumably, to join as, as OC. Was he not the one who had the alcohol problem? I think that was yeah, Kangan, was. wasn't it? No, no, he's he's the one who's uh, who had the alcohol problem. Oh Jesus, two of them. Okay, fair yeah, enough. there was. Uh, so he's uh, he's now in his offensive coordinator. Their intention is to have him work seamlessly and keep the same type of offense they had in place beforehand. Uh, they've also brought in Richard Smith as defensive coordinator. So. So, obviously, they're hoping to see continuity. We'll see if that happens or not. Uh, Sarkeesian, moving up from college, hasn't done the NFL before, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that works. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams, Matt LaFleur, who was the quarterback's coach for Atlanta, the, one of the people who people thought might actually step into the offensive coordinator role, has now come in and joined them as offensive coordinator. Uh, what do we make of this, Fitz? Yeah, well, I assume, I assume the theory is that, obviously, he's kind of a QB whisperer. Obviously, it's very good work with Matt Ryan, and obviously, there's a lot of work to do on the QB end in LA and for the Rams. Obviously, the hope is that this guy can get the best out of Jared Goff and make him look a lot better than he did last year. Once again, a lot of work here. We'll see how that works out in what is a very quite a young. Uh, coaching ticket overall. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's also he's come out and done exactly what you'd expect a, a, a new OC to do there, where he just said, "Oh, there's just so much potential here." Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's not exactly what we saw this year. Uh, and then San Francisco, uh, Robert Sala, who was the linebackers coach in Jacksonville, has been made the defensive coordinator. Uh, I think this is one that we don't really know a huge amount about because, yeah. like that, the, that Jacksonville team was meant to be a defensive-minded head coach who was taking control of a lot of that. So so we'll have to see how that works out. Like we said, a lot of space for growth, but a huge amount of pitfalls there. Um, the only other major stuff that we want to chat about, I suppose, we'll do a quick fly through. The NFL Honours Awards were handed out as well. See if anything jumps out to you here that you want to take issue with or happy with. Um, Matty Ice, Matt Ryan got MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, Khalil Mack got Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, are we happy with those two shouts? Well, yeah, well, it, was, it was fun to see them combine the two titles together. Uh it's like, literally, these are the same award. Why would we bother with them otherwise? Uh, and, of course, the interesting thing with the Defensive Player of the Year is that uh, Khalil Mack only got it by one vote over Von Miller. So I think it was kind of a weird year for defenders. No one really stood out. Yeah. What do you do when J.J. Watt isn't there, you know? Fitz is actually dialing in live from Compton, based on the sounds we're hearing in the background rather yeah. than Bork. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was surprised, I think, by Khalil Mack, to be honest. Uh, what do you think, Harry? Yeah, a little bit. But look, I mean, he was very good. I don't know if he was as dominant as I thought he was. Oh, sorry, I think obviously the people... Obviously the, the voters thought he was more dominant than I did. Um, I think Miller would also have been a good shout. But even then, like, didn't have the most fantastic... Like, it wasn't like Miller was playing at that separated level that he was last yeah. season where he was just transcendentally good. 
So I think this is one of those ones where it was kind of a whoever was going to win it, people weren't going to be particularly happy with because there was nobody who did the previous like Von Miller, J.J. Watt thing where they just blew everybody else out of the water. Yeah. So and there's question marks about Mac, but I think it's, I don't think it's necessarily a bad choice. Like he was very very good. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, in terms of the rookies, uh, this is, I think, what we all thought was going to happen. Dak Prescott got offensive rookie. Joey Bosa got defensive rookie. I think they might have had a question of whether or not it should have gone to the running back rather than the quarterback in Dallas. But those seem like fairly safe choices. Yeah, they do. And I mean, in fairness to Dak Prescott, he afterwards he was like, oh, I wish I could split this trophy in half and, and give half of it to, to Ziggy Elliott. I honestly, the other half to his offensive line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I honestly don't. Like, I mean, look... I can understand why it was given to Prescott and all these things have to be given to quarterbacks apparently now but honestly mm. I don't think he deserves over Elliot Hell I don't think he deserves over Jordan Howard but he did still have a stellar season for a rookie QB and you can understand with that happening in Dallas and with the team going as deep as it did um, how much that was down to Prescott you can argue but when a team goes that deep with a rookie quarterback there's always going to be a lot of focus on them so not a call I agree with but certainly one that makes sense from the perspective of how we know these awards are awarded yeah Jordy Nelson got comeback player of the year I think there wasn't a huge surprise I don't think there was a huge amount of jostling for that one Um, Walter Payton man of the year was split this year between uh, Eli Manning and uh, Larry Fitzgerald Uh, as as I believe you were saying beforehand maybe maybe the split was to take some of the sting off the previous accusations that were uh, surrounding Larry Fitzgerald Uh, accusations restraining order you know whatever you want to call it but yeah (laughs) we won't get into that yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll we'll save that for the uh, for the off season. I think I think we uh, have one of those uh, off season arrest reports coming up later. So yeah, I think we probably do. So uh, <laughs> we'll save it for that. Um, so we'll have a quick look then over some of the off season developments that we've had so far. Uh, competition committee has brought two major changes, uh, or is it contemplating two major changes? They're discussing full time referees, which they discussed during the uh, during the season. I think we kind of talked about quite a bit as being a potential good step, if not necessarily going to fix all the problems. And then they're also talking about having a centralised review system. So what do you think of the centralised review system, Fitz? Do you think it'll help deal with these kind of questionable calls? And let's be honest, we probably had four or five different discussions about games that swung on this during the season. Yeah, I think it, like, it obviously has two major benefits or two perceived benefits. One, obviously, is... Uh, more consistency, obviously someone in a centralised system is a bit more removed from the whole thing, rather than the ref having to jump under the hood in the middle of a game and trying to do all the other jobs associated with being a ref. Uh, so in that sense, it should provide an extension of what they already have where it's going to the main office uh, for referral. Uh, and then the other major benefit is that there's less time spent with referees not refereeing the game. The game can get on quicker. And you know, even though American football is one of the few sports in which stopping has an advantage commercially, it is probably still somewhat problematic in the sense that that's time that doesn't really do well in terms of getting viewers hooked on the product as a whole. So I think from that point of view, it kind of makes sense. I think, you know, when we look at sports, uh, analogous sports such as rugby, we see that that system can be done and is a lot quicker than having the ref having to be physically in a boot, watching the replays, doing all that stuff. It ultimately, if you're thinking about this logically, it makes sense that someone else should be taking most of the burden of that and communicating most of that to the referee. I think the, the referee will still have some input, 
will have some time under the hood, but it will be much more in a consultative role rather than having to do the whole thing themselves. Yeah, like it sounds like they're taking a similar approach to rugby with the with the TMO, the television match official, which I'm, I'm, I think works very effectively yeah. for that. Uh, there's two other ones that they've been kind of looking at as well, which are they're going to review this 25-yard touchback rule. We haven't really got too much detail on that. Uh, and also, let's be honest, don't give a shit. Uh, uh, more importantly, they're looking at softening their stance on celebrations, so maybe becoming slightly more fun than the no-fun league, but we'll see how that goes. Again, these are all just things that have been floated so far. Nothing. I, 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 would, I think we'd all, uh, from a fan perspective, love to see the losing of celebration rules. I and mean, Maybe the kind of people who write angry letters to the Charlotte Observer uh, won't feel the same way, but I'd say, like, give them fucking like, no, 20, 30 seconds. Oh, do yeah. whatever the hell they want, and then flag them if they take longer than that. Just Big news for the Raiders. Uh, we discussed these guys a couple of times on the most recent podcast about the problems with the funding for their stadium. Uh, Bank of America apparently have now stepped in and are looking at a financing source for them. Uh, and there's also discussions, which I find very weird, but I've only heard it once or twice, so I'm not sure how much stock to put into it, about Jerry Jones looking at getting involved and helping them find uh, additional funders. So mm. I'm not sure exactly what that's about, but... Uh, who knows? Um, so that's obviously a, a step in the positive direction for them, and we'll probably know more about that over the off season. But just that they have sourced an additional potential chance oh, for funding for Jerry Jones. I mean, I know this is kind of a, a conspiracy theory kind of thing, but thinking about it, like if you get the Raiders to move to Vegas, it means they sure as hell aren't going to try and move to San Antonio in three years. That's true. That's true. Uh, he, he he has been quite quite active in trying to avoid other teams coming within their kind of catchment area. Um, so I suppose this brings us to the, the funnest part of every show at the moment, the players in trouble roundup. <laughs> oh dear. What are they going to do? Probably felonies. Uh, uh, Darrell Rivas has been charged with four felonies. Uh, this stems from an altercation outside of a nightclub, I believe, involving punching fisticuffs, uh, uncouth language, and what not. Uh, Fitz, what do you make of this? Yeah, so I believe the story is that uh, it was late at night, I guess, some, leaving a club at some point, and some guys, are you Durrell? Like some guy came up and said, are you Darrell Rivas? And then Darrell answered, yes. And then he started taking a recording of Darrell Rivas. Darrell Rivas did not take kindly to this, grabbed his phone, at some point basically threw it onto the road. It got smashed. Uh, the person wasn't particularly happy about this. Uh, but the Real Rivas uh, hire uh, well, either his friends with or uh, hires particularly strong individuals. So those guys ended up uh, waking up about half an hour later being questioned by the police. Uh, so the Real Rivas may be in a bit of trouble uh, and obviously has been released by the Jets. Uh, so it'll be interesting to, to see what the Real Rivas' life will turn out in the next few uh Next few months, well, and been, year or so. It's been released by the Jets, so things are looking up. Yeah, that's always a step <laughs> in the right direction. Uh, we will discuss him uh, once we get onto our kind of free agency primer here, uh, which is going to be the main part of today's pod. But uh, just just to update that, that's something that's going to hang over his head, and probably something we'll have to discuss. King Dunlap has been arrested for violating his uh, ex-girlfriend's protective order. Not sure exactly of the details of this one. We just heard that these charges have been brought. Uh, obviously problematic, especially with a lot of the stuff that's going around the league and even with some of the draft prospects that we'll be talking about on a later pod. But uh, that, we'll have to see how that one develops. Michael Floyd's played guilty to a DUI. He's going to serve a 120-day sentence, uh, which I believe has him out in time for the next season. Am I correct in that? I think so, yeah. Tread Richardson is arrested on domestic violence charges and uh, Matt Elam is arrested in possession for, for possession as well. Um, so it's still overall like lads being bowled. Very, yeah. very not cool. Uh, it just seems to be whenever they don't have 
like football season on, they just manage to have spare time to get themselves into a whole lot of shite. Oh, Trevor Richardson hasn't had football season on for a few years now, in fairness. <laughs> that's true, that's He's very still, true. Uh, uh, but yeah, so that's our roundup of the NFL players doing bad stuff in the off-season. We'll go and have a look at some of the pre-free agency moves of interest. So like these are things that have happened before players were able to reach free agency. Some of it's franchise tagging, some of it's long-term deals, some of it's early releases and, and contract voids and stuff like that. But it just gives us a primer for where some of the players who you might have expected to see hit free agency or your team to pursue are actually going to be. So franchise tags that have been given out, we've got... Uh, Chandler Jones for Arizona, Kwan Short for Carolina, Justin Pierre-Paul for New York Giants, uh, Lev Bell for Pittsburgh, Melvin Ingram for the Chargers, Kirk Cousins for Washington, and Tremaine Johnson uh, for the for the Rams. So I'm going to start. I was going to start with the obvious question of which one of these is the worst, but we don't want to talk about Tremaine Johnson to start with. <laughs> which one of these do you like the most as a franchise tag move? Well, I mean, you, mm, it's kind of difficult to put like a like the most in it because obviously I think like it's pretty unambiguous that Le'Veon Bell is a the best player on this list and b probably the most important player to his team on this list. Maybe you could argue Kirk Cousins as well, but like we saw what happened, what Pittsburgh were without Bell, um, which is a team that is just not good enough to get to a Super Bowl. Whereas with a guy like Cousins, it's a case of okay, this is making this team into a contender. Bell is the difference between this team being you know, one of the premier teams in the NFL and being actually not that good when it comes down to it. So re-signing him was absolutely critical. I mean, you even look at, like, Cousins are still, like, Willie won't he, even with the exclusive rights tag. Is he going to be traded? Are they going to try and flip him with Bell? It's like, no, straight up lock this guy down. And while all these guys are important to their team, uh, or at least necessary to their team in the case of Tremaine Johnson, Bell is necessary in a way that those guys aren't because he is such a transcendental talent. I find this interesting because I was going to say Bell as well, but I think Bell for an entirely different reason. I think he is probably the best player on this list. I think he's very, very good. But I also think that Pittsburgh aren't sure what they want to do with him. I don't think they necessarily, especially in the modern day, people will run these guys into the ground Mm -hmm. and move on from them. They don't necessarily want to have to lock themselves down for a long-term deal at the moment with him because they don't know whether or not he's had injury issues, he's had off-the-field issues, he's had issues with management as well and discussing them uh, in in the media and stuff like that. Not quite to the level of Antonio Brown's video, but, you know, he's had those issues. I think this gives them him at a price which, because he is probably... He's at least within the top three, if not the top running back in the league at the moment. We're looking at a guy who would probably command about this much money anyway. They can play him for a year on that, decide what they want to do afterwards, and spend this year evaluating whether or not they think he's going to fall off, whether the injuries will continue to be a problem, whether he's matured enough. So I think this puts the team in a great position as well as locking him down for the year. Mm. What about yourself, Fitz? What do you think? Yeah, like, like the Le'Veon Bell thing, like, I would probably edge more towards what you're saying, Connor. I think, like, there's just too many there's too many warning signs of left bell that you probably want to have him at least have one year where he A either doesn't get injured or B doesn't end up getting in trouble uh, due to possession and other issues like that. Uh, like you know, if you're talking about the tag, there are two scenarios you want to use the tag for. One is to uh, hold on players. Hold on players you have a bit of time to basically basically a bit of leverage to force a long term contract. And the second is you're basically your one year rental. You're like you're not really sure on this player and you just want to get them for one year. I think the big trend here, obviously, is that, like, with the exception of Lev Bell, Kirk Cousins, and Tremaine Johnson, these are all pass-rushing type of players. 
uh, came on short from with inside pressure, the rest as, as, as outside pressure. Like I think you see here that even though the draft is actually supposed to be pretty good for pass rushers, teams are holding on to them, and obviously co- uh, they're obviously quite coveted. I think all of these, of those, I would say Jason Pierre-Paul is probably the one that's closest to that one-year rental. Like he had a good season, but you probably don't still trust him to. Like be consistent if you give them a long contract so I think for like the Giants when they see the paucity of options out there and the pass rush it made sense for them to tag him and basically keep a good pass rusher around for one more year yeah, like, where he still has to prove himself if he wants to earn a next paycheck yeah like if you give him 40 million dollars he's going to go out and buy a shitload of fireworks like it's just, just a given <laughs> it's going to blow up in your face you know <laughs> the other one that I like a lot is Melvin Ingram because I think he's a very talented player but they're also almost certainly going to be transitioning to uh, to a 4-3 from a 3-4 and they're going to have to see whether or not they can fit him into that as well and then decide after a year of this new scheme whether that'll fit so I think that's a smart move on their behalf as well uh, outside of the fact that I don't know why in the living shit you would pay Tremaine Johnson like 15 and a half million for a guy who wouldn't, he'd probably be worth about half of that on the on the free market. Like I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know if he would. To be honest with you, the cornerbacks are the cornerback market is not deep at the moment. This guy, this guy's a lot of leverage. No, I know that, but it's probably he's got a lot of leverage on a team that kind of sucks. Yeah, I suppose it's just. I don't think it's a good. I don't agree with it, but a, I can see why they did it. I was I was listening to another show, uh, obviously inferior podcast on the NFL, <laughs> and uh, and they were discussing that there's only been uh, I think two quarterbacks that have ever been given two franchise tags. Uh, both of them were Hall of Famers. So we're we're discussing like putting this guy being paid at this upper echelon when he's nowhere near that. Yeah, but, but look at look at what they gave fucking Tavon Austin. Like this isn't a very smart smart front office. But <laughs> I think this makes more sense than Austin just from the market perspective. Again, I don't think it's necessarily a good call, but I think given the pressure, if they're like, oh, what if we can't get AJ Boye to come? They're kind of they kind of have to do something. So it's it's a bit of a desperation move, but it it makes sense just from the market pressures. And they chose him over Janoris Jenkins last season. Well, that, that was just stupid. Of, it, it just kind of gives you a sense that, like, you know, because Les Snead is still... Like, if there was a new GM, I think it would change the game completely. But because Les Snead is still there, he kind of has to double down on his... Uh, the mistake, or he made what you might consider a mistake last season, off-season, uh, by letting by tagging Tremaine and not uh, Janoris. So, yeah. Like, they're going to lose their safety as well. That's going to be a very different uh, secondary there anyway. So it'll be interesting to see how that adapts and how good Tremaine Johnson looks within that context. Yeah, so like that's gonna that, that'll cover off most of the uh, most of the franchise type stuff, and we'll move on to some of the contracts that we've seen. So I suppose uh, we'll start with uh, my guys. I suppose uh, Eric Berry has just signed a six-year, seventy-eight million dollar contract with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it gives him forty million in guarantees and a twenty million signing bonus. Uh, this kind of locks him down long term, and thankfully means that we didn't have to use the tag on him again. Would have been very expensive. Not that he's not currently very expensive. <laughs> to be honest, overall, I'm quite happy with this. I think he's going to now be the highest-paid safety in the league. I contend that potentially we're slightly overpaying but we'll see how that how that plays out i'd like to see more of the structure of the contract and stuff like that i'd imagine there's probably some easier outs after about four years of this because i think about 30 million or 35 million is going to be payable within the first two three years uh he's a lowish cap hit this season and is going to have a substantial one next season 
which interestingly, as we'll talk about in the draft one, I think leads me to more of a belief that uh, this is going to be Alex Smith's final year as a Kansas City Chiefs quarterback. <laughs> Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, LDT, has signed a five-year $41 million deal, which I think was more of a surprise than anything else. Um, what are our thoughts on the Eric Berry signing? Makes sense. He's a very good player. Um, at the end of the day, it, like he is one of the best safeties in the league. and he, he, the high, Being the highest-paid safety, look, it's going to be one of those things that's going to happen. I'm sure whoever's the next really really highly rated safety to get a contract is going to break that record again oh, we've yeah. seen that happen with pass rushes over the last few years I think we're going to see that kind of thing happen again as cap space increases and as the um, valuing of the players increases I, I look it's a good deal like you say uh, the way it's structured is fine if they have the outs that we believe they do at this stage um, it, it just makes sense and I mean look you, you at the end of the day this is a team that is on the cusp of being really good and has been for a little while Really, since Andy Reid yeah. uh, started imprinting his, his imprinting, jeez, <laughs> it's like it's like raising a baby duck, like Andy yeah. Reid's imprinting <laughs> on the team. But like at the end of the day, you've got to keep guys like this if you want to stay competitive. And they paid the price that they had to pay, and it, it, it's good that they they got this ending after what was I think quite an acrimonious uh, last few years trying to sort this out. So yeah. I think everyone will be happy with this. Um, whether or not that big cap hit coming next year causes some problems remains to be seen, but this is a team that I think every year thinks it's not quite win-now mode, but it's like every year should be a year we should be going deeper. Pittsburgh signed Antonio Brown to a four-year extension, $68 million total with a $19 million signing bonus. This makes him the highest paid wide receiver until free agency happens, I think. <laughs> uh, I think this was a very smart deal because while it looks big, they're locking down... The probably the best receiver, I would say. Uh, definitely, again, top three, if not the best. Uh, and, uh, yeah, like it seems like a lot of money now, but I think even by the end of this off-season, it's not going to seem as, as big as whenever it was initially penned. Ronan, what's your thoughts on the Brown signing? Yeah, and, you know, there's a, there's a potential logjam next year if the Lev Bell thing doesn't work out yeah. by the time this year rolls around again. Uh, and then you're having to choose between the two of them. That's obviously the worst case scenario. Uh, so yeah, like I think, like you know, I think a running theme through these and through the free agency is that because the cap is expanding so fast, deals which seem expensive right now, a few years from now, won't seem won't seem very expensive. And the way that NFL contracts exist is basically that the amount of control that you have over those years as a team is very high, and then the player, once they get to the last few years, will often be playing with very little guarantees and stuff like that. So I think for the Pittsburgh Steelers, like you know, you're not going to replace Antonio Brown uh, anytime soon. Uh, you've had experiments with other wide receivers; none of them have even come close in terms of, of product, in terms of production. And in terms of you know, uh, in terms of your relationship with your quarterback, so there's no way you can't get him get him in the in the thing. And then you just have to go there and, and see what money he offers. And you know, I think this is pretty much the deal where you would expect an elite wide receiver to get this year. Like you wouldn't see this doesn't it wouldn't surprise me if it was given to another elite receiver. And certainly the ones who get the free agency, you'll probably see some stupid money be thrown around for players who are definitely worse than Antonio Brown. So yeah, good good just kind of good business that good teams can currently make because the cap space has been made for them to do so. Yeah. They've also re-signed James Harrison for two more years at three and a half million because he just cannot be killed. He is <laughs> invincible. Uh, Tampa Bay locked up William Goldstein for five years, 27.5 million base with nine million in incentives. Uh, any interest in this one? No, it's fine. It's a good, decent player, decent contract. Yeah, yeah sure. Go for it. Seems pretty good. Dallas got Tyrion Smith, Travis Frederick. 
uh, seems to be very much a kind of dedication to their current system and hoping to build around these rookie contracts that they've got on offense. Uh, I think it seems like a solid plan from them. They probably need to add some more playmakers in, and there's a couple of weaker spots, but those seem like solid signings to me. And uh, they keep that O line together. Like yeah. that's the that's yeah. the point. Yeah. That's the, the and like the restructuring because Jerry Jones is constantly chasing cap space for no good reason. But uh, if, if the cap goes up fast enough, apparently you can get away with it. Yeah, no, of course. And uh, Colin Kaepernick just did an interesting contract move as well. Uh, has opted out of his contract with the San Francisco 49ers, which means the San Francisco 49ers are entering free agency with no quarterbacks on the roster. Exciting times. He's obviously in the hunt for somewhere else where that will be. I suppose we'll, we'll talk about in the free agency stuff. But uh, Signings that people have made that weren't with other teams. Uh, Earl Mitchell, four years, sixteen million to San Francisco, and Kansas City Chiefs picked up CJ Spiller for essentially almost vet minimum. Uh, there's been a lot of cuts all around the league, which will then obviously filter all the way down into free agency for us. So I'm just going to run through these real quick, and then uh, we can pick up on one or two of them if we like. Uh, Jets have cleaned house. Darrell Rivas is gone. Nick Mangold is gone. Brandon Marshall is gone. Ryan Clady is gone. Bruno Gascomoni. Bruno Giacomini. Giacomini is gone, <laughs> and uh, Nick Folk is also gone. Uh, uh, Cleveland got rid of Josh McCowan, uh, Trayvon Williams, and Andrew Hawkins. They're also allowing uh, Trayvon Pryor to go test free agency as well, which is uh, it's an interesting move given that he was the only one who wasn't tradable, <laughs> um, which is a bit, bit of a fresh one. Uh, Jacksonville. Uh, Buchanan, Audric, House gone, Victor Cruz, Rashad Jennings for the Giants, Starks and Shields for Green Bay, Coleman, Carpenter for Buffalo, Fluker and Johnson for uh, the Chargers. Whew, more. Jamal Charles for the Chiefs, DeMarco, or Mario Williams for, for Miami, uh, Mike Tolbert for Carolina, Jairus Bird for New Orleans, Torrey Smith for San Francisco, Altron Werner for Tampa Bay, McKelvin for Philadelphia, Gilbert for Pittsburgh, and Dequel Jackson for Indianapolis. Um, are there any of these guys that jump off the page at you? See, we're going to discuss a lot of them in free agency. So, uh, like, is there anyone who was a big surprise to you on that list that you weren't expecting to see gone? Um, some of the, like, I mean, it's not hugely surprising, but some of them were a bit weird. Um, like, obviously, Mike, Mike Talbert's a bit of a weird one. That's the money caught up in a fullback, even though he's a very good player at that position. It's fullbacks, yeah. nobody wants to pay them. Torrey Smith, a little bit of a strange one, given that San Fran, you know, need receivers, and Smith can still offer something. Yeah. And, uh, like, McKelvin wasn't a disaster in Philly, which is yeah pretty pretty much the qualification you need to be a Philly cornerback these days, not a disaster <laughs> area. But nothing, I think... average is Nolan Carroll, you know? Yeah, that's it, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, nothing particularly uh, jumps out there. I think as being massively significant. It's mostly guys who are either overpaid or their teams felt were overpaid or were again getting on in years and yeah. they felt were better to go with younger, cheaper options. Uh, but like I said, pretty much all of these guys will, will, will filter on through to our discussion of free agency. Obviously, I, I was sad to see Jamal Charles go, but uh, it was kind of a, an inevitability. I kind of said at the time I was expecting that to happen to try and move money around for everything else. So, and the only other ones that we need to have a quick look at are the trades. Miami got involved in a very confusing, weird trade uh, where they've taken Julius Thomas from Jacksonville and a seventh-round pick. And Jacksonville have taken Brandon Albert from Miami with a late round pick. Although this looks like it's a direct trade of player for player with offset weighting. These are completely independent trades on paper. <laughs> I, there was some kind of, I think there was basically some contract stuff where Brandon Albert was a bit, been a bit of a, 
been a bit of a negative Nancy, looking for a bit more money. Miami are like, look, we'll take Julius Thomas for a pick and then let Brandon Albert come talk to Jacksonville for a bit more and then basically the Jacksonville trade will go through. I think all that's expected to go... like that. There hasn't actually been much noise on that for a few weeks now, but it's still expected to go through when the free agency period opens for what will be a late pick as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's weird. Like They were initially... Go- it was initially talked about as being a single trade, but there seems to have just been some contract negotiations creating a need to separate them out for no good reason. You know, these two teams uh, obviously have a long history of successful non-fuck-ups, so I'm sure they'll all work out in the end in, my, in that wonderful state of Florida. But I suppose this then kind of fills up our roster for, uh, for our discussion of free agency. Uh, as you can see, there's plenty of players out there. So I suppose we'll kind of go position by position uh, and have a talk through all the players that are available in this year's free agency window. So we've seen quite a sizable increase in the cap. It's now 167 million, allowing teams to go and pay probably a little bit too much for some of the players that are now going to be out in the market. We're going to discuss some of these in particular because there's been a lot of hype about very large contracts going to very mediocre wide receivers and what their <laughs> what their market will be. But as, as I said, we'll go through these section by section. So we'll kick off with the with the quarterbacks. Uh, there's a number of kind of high-end names in this group. Uh, we're looking at our Tony Romos, uh, Kirk Cousins, potentially, and Jimmy Garoppolo. But then we've also got our kind of next tier. Uh, Tyrod Taylor's probably the top of that group. Uh, Mike Glennon and Jay Cutler in your kind of they might tide you over kind of thing. Tyrod Taylor has more potential, I think, than the other two in that group, but he's not up in the up in the up in the upper section. Then we've also got our Kaepernick, Josh McCowan, Brian Hoyer, Fitzmagic, and a load of these types of people knocking around. As well as you'll have your like Nick Foles being cut from the Chiefs shortly and things like that. So I suppose the, the, the biggest name uh, that people are discussing is probably Tony Romo at the moment. A player who's considered to be a very good quarterback but has, over the last two seasons, been quite injury-prone. Discussions of whether they will need to be trading picks to Dallas to pick him up or whether Dallas will allow him to be cut and to go and search out his own destiny. A lot of people have been linked with him. Denver, Houston, Chicago, New York Jets, and the Chiefs as well. It seems, from everything we're reading in the media, that Denver are leading this pack. So, Fitz, what do you reckon? Do you think it's going to be Denver, and how do you think it's going to play out? Uh, like if he's released, I would put Denver as favourite. So if, if if a trade can't be done, and there's some absolutely crazy rumours going out there about like three-way trades involving Kirk Cousins, Tony Romo, and the second round pick or the second overall pick in San Francisco, that you know, let's be honest, aren't going to happen. Yeah. So if he does get released and Dallas don't just keep him around, which is a possibility, uh, like it's a it's a small possibility, but a possibility to just keep him as an elite backup then Denver are probably the favourites. Firstly, because Denver can afford to wait because they have their two quarterbacks. They're not you know, completely uh, like unhappy with the idea of keeping their two quarterbacks, and they don't have too many players they have to re-sign. And then secondly, because Tony Romo wants to go to a winner. Tony Romo wants to go to the playoffs. He wants to win a ring. And Denver obviously showed, with like, uh, like basically put the book out on how to win a Super Bowl with a you know near the end of their career quarterback. Uh, it's not quite as good as New England's book, but you're never going to go to New England because Tom Brady lives forever. So, of all these teams, Tony Romo will almost certainly want to go to Denver, most of all. And the only other plausible one, I think, is probably Houston from that bracket, because they obviously have a team which is probably just a quarterback away from competing. But I think the problem for Houston is that money is even tighter in Houston than it is in Denver. 
My my favorite uh, scenario I've seen played out on this so far is that he goes to Houston. Houston trade Brock Osweiler plus a second and a fourth to the Browns for nothing. Apart from them <laughs> taking his cap off them, they have the money to do it. Then they can cut him next year. They've got an interim quarterback. They pick up two more picks. Uh, they can spread the rest of the money over two years to get rid of the to get rid of the rest of it. Uh, like it makes perfect sense. Apart from the fact that then the entire management team will have to admit the abject failure they made last it's, season. It sounds like you're connecting newspaper clippings with red <laughs> string on a, on a pinboard. <laughs> Like I think, I think that's a fair shake out of it. I don't think like the Jets and the Chicago Bears are really in the running for this because I don't think he wants to go to the to them. Because if he was wanted to go to them, he'd happily sit and earn his what eighteen twenty million sitting on the on the Dallas bench. To be honest, uh, the next biggest name out there is Kirk Cousins. Uh, he's been tagged. He's going to be paid like fifty billion dollars, uh, which is. A, just because the Mazungus completely mismanaged this entire scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, the main trade partner that's in discussions is San Francisco because obviously uh, there's connections there to the coaching staff and the, the, the potential for greatness with that fucking husk of a team. Uh, where do you reckon? Do you reckon he just stays with the Mazungus? Yeah, look, I mean, Washington would be absolutely insane to trade Kirk. Because, like, what are they going to do? Like, take him to San Francisco. San Francisco, what is San Francisco going to give you? They're not going to give you a quarterback, are they? So who's your Christian quarterback? Are you going to get Colt, go get Colt McCoy? Give him the starting position? Or do they really think one of these guys in the draft, like Deshaun Watson or Mitch Trubisky, is good enough? Maybe they will be in a few years' time. Um, it just seems really bizarre that as a team, having just basically come through what's been a rebuilding and growth project pretty much since RG3 was, well, since before that, but this is ultimately the effect of the RG3 project failing, um, to go and blow it all up again and say we need to start again at quarterback. That makes no sense. But it would be a very Mzungu's thing to do. Yeah. But realistically, I don't think they're that crazy. Yeah. Um, and maybe... I, I, I actually don't know what they're trying to achieve by all of this chatter, and it might all just be nonsense coming from agents or other teams trying to put them under pressure. Uh, as an organization, they stand to gain nothing from getting rid of Cousins. Like, realistically... Whoever they get with that second pick of the draft is just going to put them into another continued trying to build themselves up phase. Uh, it, it, that's if they trade with San Fran. It doesn't make any sense to me. Right. But uh, our, our next one up, I suppose, uh, is uh, Jimmy G in terms of uh, stuff being played out in the media. Uh, New England have said that they are going to play very much hardball on this. They said it's going to take a lot to get rid of him because they're not sure they want Jake Brisket being the... Uh, Jake Brisket. <laughs> slightly right. It's my favourite way that I've ever... Jacobi. I know, but I just... There's, there's a thing about the show that I just think it's hilarious. They just call him Jake Brisket. Yeah, you're, you're stealing other people's jokes. I know, but it's great. Um, but basically, that uh, they're going to want a lot to try and get their hands on him. Uh, the obvious trade party here is Cleveland, but I just don't think it's happening. He's not getting traded. As simple as that. He's not getting traded. Yeah, um, we'll run through the next couple, and we'll just go quickly. Do we think they're going to stay where they are? Do we think they're going to disappear? Or the name of the team that you think they're going to end up on? Uh, Jay Cutler is pretty much what well, we know. He's out of out of Chicago. So is he going to land somewhere, or is he just going to retire? Oh, it's tough. Like like you know, when the carousel finishes, there's going to be someone desperate enough to give Jay Cutler money. Uh, and you know, I, I think the most hilarious and most appropriate place would be the Jets because they're not going to have an offensive line next year. So you might as well <laughs> sacrifice smoking Jay up to the gods, and like he will take it in his stride. He is a, a true hero, complete a true <laughs> a true ascetic who who will be a stoic. Sorry, a true stoic who will will soldier true with not the least amount of caring about being hit or not or throwing interceptions. 
and it would be a truly entertaining New York Jets season. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, someone will probably end up getting him to compete at least in some camp against a rookie or something like that. Uh, you just don't want to be that team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Of course. Uh, to be honest, I probably, I probably saw you that. I'd say the Jets are probably going to be there. Either that or. Again, maybe the 49ers, they, uh, they, do, they do need to pick up like three. So, um, Mike Glennon, uh, who has been touted as getting sizable bit of cash, uh, they've said that he's going to hit the market, that Chicago is the favourite here, and that Chicago are looking to probably pay him something like $13 million a year, which is decent for someone who I would reckon is probably just a backup. Uh, so I'd say yeah. Chicago... Yeah, look, I mean, Chicago makes sense. I, I maybe disagree. I think Mike Glenn's actually good. Like, I don't think he's great. I think he's a perhaps mid-tier, bottom mid-tier quarterback. That's the kind of money they get these days. Look how much money fucking Ryan Fitzpatrick made last year. Yeah, but he um, went to Harvard. He did go to Harvard. That's true. Like, <laughs> look, but Mike Glennon has like looked like consistently decent. Like, he's a. I think he's a decent level starter. He's not going to drag you to the Super Bowl, but as a guy who can like tide you over for a few years while you're you know rebuilding a team. Uh, he's a guy who can do a lot with a little and did on some absolutely terrible Tampa Bay teams uh, yeah. in the Greg Schiano era. So I, I honestly think he's actually got... Like, I think, I, I'd take him ahead of the likes of Jay Cutler, for example. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a heartbeat. I think he's that's, a guy that's why, who, that's why I'm siding with Chicago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chicago clearly feels the same. But yeah, no, I, I think it, I think he's he's would probably be worth that money uh, to the right team in the right spot. And I think yeah. Chicago is that team. All right, so we'll fly into the running backs now. Uh, there's quite a lot of these to get through. So what we'll do is we'll go alternating on this. So uh, Minnesota have released Adrian Peterson. Uh, he was going to cost 17 million. No one's going to pay him 17 million. I don't think anyone should pay him about half of that. Uh, he's looking at maybe taking a cut deal to go play on New England. Dallas have expressed an interest in him, and the Vikings are probably quite interested in having him back at a fraction of his current cost maybe about half of that on a two year deal what do you reckon about him Harry where's he going to land uh, I don't actually like the New England deal is something Adrian Peterson made up by the way like there's been nothing from New England oh, yes. expressing interest in Adrian Peterson to clarify that Dallas is just Jerry being Jerry um, like I don't actually think either of them make sense for Peterson he doesn't want to play a limited role even at this stage in his career mm. um, so it's very hard to know where it's going to be a lot of it's going to come down to how much money he starts demanding starts demanding I'm going to throw a really interesting weird one out there Detroit 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 uh, Amir Abdullah can't stay healthy and needs more he's clearly a guy who needs more time to develop as well and Theo Riddick we saw has is wonderful at some parts of the game but cannot be a lead runner and like Zach Zenner is bleh yeah this is a team that needs a running game and their O-line is is okay better mm. than Minnesota's anyway we'll put it that way that actually, that's the kind of place that makes sense for Peterson. You've got a, guy, a, a team that can compete for the division. You've got a, problems at running back where they need a veteran who can run the ball between the tackles and do it well. And ultimately, again, if the and this is obviously because of the price not being too high, but like I think that's the kind of place where he actually has a chance to take over and be the starter, even as a one-year stopgap while a guy like Abdullah um, rehabs his injuries and continues to develop as a player. That, to me, is the, actually a really, really good landing spot, both for him and for the team. Yeah, you see, the problem is if he's, if he's in the hunt for a ring, I'm not sure if they're going to give him enough of a quality backfield. Like, I, would, I, would, I would feel that he's probably looking at... My, my guess would be Oakland. I think mm. they have the cap space for it. They have an excellent uh, offensive line. They've got the type of offense that he'd do, and they've got a need for a lead back there. Uh, so I think that might fit nicely. Uh, Eddie Lacy is out in the market all 500 pounds of him uh, I don't know 
Fitz, why is he in the running back section? He's meant to be in the defensive tackle section. <laughs> yeah, I need to swap him with Dontari Poe, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, we forgot Dontari Poe in the quarterback section. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, like Eddie Lacy, you know, like, yeah, obviously had like two years to start his career that he looked like he was the future of the running back position for Green Bay. Green Bay, obviously, you know, like they have the best look at them. So if they don't, if they choose not to do anything with Eddie Lacy early on in the process, and there has been some positive signals from them, then I think Pete, I think a lot of teams might leave it off for a while. I think, like, with the exception of Peterson, uh, there's no one really in this running back group that really excites people. And I think the running back group in the draft is considered quite strong. So Eddie Lacy could end up being out there on the market a bit longer than he would probably like or expect. But, in, in you know, let's be honest, he had no one really to blame himself because he hasn't shown the motivation or the skill to really be a lead back for someone uh, anymore, or certainly not the kind of complete back that he needs to be if he wants to die like that. Like, he could have a career renaissance, and he could end up like carving out like a Lagarde Blunt-type career uh, out of this, but right now, uh, like the downsides look a lot more than the upsides, so I could see him, like, yeah, like he could end up sticking back to Green Bay, uh, I think that's probably where I would expect him to end up going, but it'll probably be on contract terms that he would definitely not have expected after the first two years of his career. Uh, so not good, not good times for old uh, Eddie. Interesting, because so the other big name that's floating out there now is Jamal Charles, since he's been released. Uh, he's got some injury concerns that they're going to need to check out before him, but I think he's definitely going to end up on a roster. I've got two landing spots for him that I think would uh, would make sense. So I think Philadelphia is one, given the connection to the head coach there, the fact that they run a very similar scheme to what he ran in Kansas City. Uh, like I said, there's concerns that they don't want to use him as a full three-down north-south back, but he'll give them flexibility. The one, just whatever you're talking about, Lacey, that intrigues me is, I think Green Bay could be a very interesting fit for, uh, for, for, for Jamal Charles. He can do pass protection. He's a lot out of the backfield. He opens up a lot in the passing game. He has... I think somewhere in the region of like three and a half thousand receiving yards, as well as his seven thousand rushing yards. Like he is very, very good with his hands, uh, and he would be happy to take a cheapy deal because he knows he's not going to get much more than maybe the five million range. But uh, again, it all depends on what these guys see. It's a very running back rich uh, draft class this year, so a few of these guys might end up nowhere or might end up as part of rotations, which will then change the dynamic entirely. We'll swing on and have a look at the wide receiver tight end group this is quite a thin group uh, at the moment because a lot of people have been locked up uh, we've got probably the three main names here would be Pryor uh, who's obviously released uh, or not released so much as allowed to test his free agency uh, Jeffrey is coming out of Chicago and Brandon Cooks is currently being shopped by uh, by New Orleans uh, there are one or two others like Bennett and Marshall as well so which one would you like to have a chat about there Harry? Well, I'll, I'll go with uh, with Brandon Cooks since he's, he's tied to my team. And I think it's really interesting. Um, there's obviously the, the rumours that have been going around, but some uh, discreet with him, Michael Thomas, and he feels that the team prefers prefers Thomas uh, going forward, and that's kind of an issue for him because he wants to be a number one receiver. But you never know how much this is smokescreen, how much this is bullshit, mm. obviously. Um, he talked a lot of shit during the season about yeah, it. Yeah, he did. And, well, I mean, New Orleans have always sort of had this attitude of being everyone is tradable for the right price. It's just always been the question of the price being too high. Um, and this looks like this might turn out to be another one of those instances where like, we want a first-rounder straight up with nothing coming back. What we understand now is that New England may have offered a uh, first-rounder for Cooks plus a pick, and uh, New Orleans didn't particularly want to give up the pick. There's no point in holding on to a player who isn't happy at the end of the day, so whether or not he goes, uh, well, I think ultimately dictate, dictated by whether or not he really, really wants to go. But he's, he's a very talented player, and he's young. So it would be a, it would be a loss to the Saints team 
But then again, Drew Brees also seems to be able to get 1,000-yard seasons out of complete sacks of spuds at times. Yeah. Um, he, he would make a huge difference for a team like, like New England or um, uh, Philadelphia, I think, are the other team that have mm-hmm. been, been mentioned, along with Cooks, uh, who are a very, very wide receiver needy team. And to be honest, if he really wants to be a, a wide receiver one, this probably makes more sense as a landing spot, just mm-hmm. from the fact that there's nobody to compete with for targets, really, yeah. <laughs> uh, who can catch the ball down there. Um, this is a really, really interesting one to keep an eye on, because this will also impact, I think, particularly if he goes to a team like Philly or whoever, what they do in the draft then, because if you've got a guy like that locked down, you're really not going to need to take anybody else. Or, well, you, you can take somebody a lot later than you yeah, would have otherwise. developmental prospects. Ex- exactly, yeah. exactly. And, well, they probably still would need a, a second wide receiver. It means they might be able to wait a few rounds rather than try and bite on one in the first, in the first, uh, first or second round. So that's one to keep an eye on because that's going to, I think, affect the draft and that's going to affect the market. It could be that New Orleans ultimately decides it's not worth it and just decide to hang on to him for, for longer, but if he really wants to go, I don't see that happening. I'd love to see him in New England personally, because I think he's a very talented player, and he's, he's very, a very explosive playmaker um, who can do, do, do quite a few different things uh, in terms of getting deep and also playing the short game, making uh, yards after the catch. So uh, that's one to definitely definitely keep an eye on uh, as, uh, as free agency as free agency uh, continues and whether or not he gets traded and how that affects the market for, for everybody else. Yeah, no, of course. What about yourself, Ronan? Who, who intrigues you from this group? Yeah, like I think Terrell Pryor is the most intriguing simply because I don't think any of us expected, like even a few weeks ago, that he would actually make free agency. Cleveland have like a hundred million in cap space. They really can afford. Like I don't know. I don't know what nascent stars they think they've got on their roster that they're already planning four years ahead to pay. But I don't know who they are, and they're de- besides Terrell Pryor. So yeah, it was very very unusual. Like I think Terrell Pryor. Like obviously you're kind of working off. Like he doesn't have. The kind of CV, he only has one year of real production, but that production jumped off the tape. He looks like a strong, complete wide receiver who could be a wide receiver one in the league. And obviously, he's had quite a long like uh, apprenticeship to get there. But it's weird to see him leave Cleveland. I would still consider Cleveland almost probably still favorite to get him simply because they have so much money. But the fact that they let him get this far maybe gives you an indication that uh, they're maybe not quite as sold him as we thought they might have been. Um, but it, like now he's in free agency, I expect that there will be a bidding war between the uh, the type of wire needy teams like San Francisco, Philadelphia, Tennessee. These all these all come to mind. There's also some big contenders in there like the Giants and Pittsburgh who've been associated with him. So I think like of the wide receivers, I think he's the one that people whatever you say about his lack of CV, he seems like a player who loves to play football, who has had to like grind. Like who has to like has to change position, all that type of stuff tells you he's someone who grinds, who plays the game, who probably loves the game and wants to do anything he can to get onto a football field, which can't be said for the other uh, receiver at the top of the market in the wide in, uh, at the wide receiver position this, this time around. So I think from that position, I think it's the type of player that any team will be happy to pick up uh, as long as long as they're not don't have any cap issues. Uh, but thankfully, that's most of the league right now. Yeah, like what for me? While there's probably some more. Of big name wide receivers like uh, Jeffrey Garcon, uh, Deshaun Jackson, people like that out there. The one that's intriguing me the most is Martellus Bennett because I'm very interested to see what that one year of production is going to buy him in free agency. I think it's going to be very interesting what the market for him will be and who will be who will be going after him. So in terms of line work, then, so we're going to kind of combine tackles and uh, other linemen. We've got a few names out there. We've got 
Whitworth from Cincinnati, O'Coon from Denver, Wagner from Baltimore, Zeller from Cincinnati as well, TJ Lang, a few others knocking around. Uh, is there anyone here that's kind of hopping out to you guys uh, that might be of interest? Fitz? Yeah, I think like the most interesting one will actually be, I think, Baltimore is Ricky Wagner, uh, who's a right tackle. He hasn't really been played at left tackle. And it's kind of similar to what we have, what, what kind of happened with uh, Osemele last year. We kind of saw a new level that you could see for the non-sexy uh, O-line position. So, like, like the indications right now are that Ricky Wagner, like, and, and the indications are probably that, with the exception of Whitworth, but he's quite old, he's like 36, that Ricky Wagner, of all the ones who are of like, an ideal age, is the best tackle out there. It's only not because he's a right tackle, but it'll be interesting to see if the amount of competition from tackle desperate teams like Minnesota, Chicago, etc., will be sufficient that he will actually end up getting a, a left tackle-esque contract. And I think in the end, he probably will. I think what we saw with Osemele is that good guards uh, and good right tackles are about to get paid. That The differential between them and a left tackle is about to become a lot less because I think people have realized that the offensive line as a unit needs to be strong all over and that you can't just rely on the traditional model of having your Walter Jones or your other type of left tackle who can basically make up for the fact that the rest of that, that, that line isn't good enough. So I think it'll be interesting to see him uh, see how that sets a new top for the right tackle market and how that will filter down to the rest of the thing because all the options at left tackle right now are pretty either old or shit so that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and like we said throughout the throughout this season coverage like we've seen a lot of the best defensive players moving around to focus on wherever they see weaknesses on the line. So suddenly this differentiation between left and right doesn't seem to hold up as much as it used to maybe 10 years ago. What about yourself, Harry? Does anyone jump out to you? Yeah, I think it's actually interesting when uh, Ronan talks about Assemble because I think, um, as you said, that reset the market. I think when you have a guy like uh, Kevin Zeichler uh, coming out of Cincinnati, uh, who is you know sort of in the age where you're taking his physical prime, has proven that he's quite a good, quite a good player. Um, he's going to be looking again at sort of taking advantage of that um, level of, of of money that's now available, and people are willing to pay interior linemen. Uh, he's clearly, like I'd say, probably the best interior lineman on the market. Maybe you could argue TJ Lang, but but Zeitler has a very good body of work behind him, and is young enough. Doesn't have a particularly bad injury history, so he's in a really good spot, I think, to get paid. All things considered, it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up because there's a lot of teams that have bad O lines, and as we said, with this reconfiguration on defense, we're seeing an attempt to solidify across the board. The two interesting spots, I think, here are Denver, who need help in the O-line in general, but also, and I said, I think every O-lineman could be picked up by Minnesota at this stage, and it would be an improvement, because that line oh, is an absolute disaster right now. So I'd say I think they might be making, particularly given how poor their run game was, yeah. even when Peterson was playing for the brief period he did. 1.7 yards per carry. Exactly, it was awful, and we didn't, they didn't get any more out of McKinnon or Asiata, realistically. Like That was, that was bad. A large part of that was on the O-line. So a guy like Zeitler who can play well in the middle and has that physicality, that's the perfect kind of situation where you need to, where you want to rebuild a running game to take pressure off um, a quarterback who, you know, is, is accurate when throwing the ball six inches down the field on a bubble screen, but, yeah. you know, needs to be getting more time in the pocket and needs to be able to set up a run game to do that, to, to allow that to happen. That, I think, is the kind of move that makes sense. So I'd say look for Minnesota to be making a move for this guy. Yeah, no, of course. Like, there's there's two ones which note, note for me just very briefly of, like, it's, well, in particular to the likes of Riley Reef, who have not really played up to a particularly strong level but are very young. And the potential, because there's quite a lot of teams who are in the market for tackles for people to look at them and say, 
look, they were poor, but I can fix that. I can coach that up. They're young enough, and they were considered highly enough when they were drafted. So it's a few of them that'll be knocking around, but I think they'll be late in free agency rather than ones that'll be snapped up kind of the week that this is coming out. Uh, outside of that, we'll have a look at kind of edge rush. So kind of outside linebackers, 4-3 ends. There's not a huge amount in the market here. Maybe Lorenzo Alexander, Nick Perry, a couple of players like this. Does anyone excite you? Like, there's even, you know, there's even talk about people looking at Mario Williams as a reclamation project again. Like, it's it's not a very de- like it's a lot of old people here and a lot of people who are coming off kind of meh seasons. I think honestly, uh, Demarcus Ware is the most interesting one because despite his age and injury history recently, he still has a lot of value even as a situational pass rusher. And there's talk about Dallas wanting to bring him home uh, for one last run. And to be honest with you, I think that's the kind of thing Dallas would probably benefit from in terms of getting a guy who can get to the quarterback even if he's only going to play you know, 15-20 snaps a game a guy who can create something different and can still create pressure even though he's slowed down a bit recently um, so I think that although there's much more, a little bit more buzz and it's been quite quiet about where recently I think at the end of the day he's, <clears throat> he's probably going to be the guy who I think still has a talent and will be sought after by good enough teams that he's going to have some success out of this other than that to be honest with you I think this is a relatively uninspiring class maybe Nick Perry's got some upside but other than that I'm like meh about that um, because of franchise tags and also uh, sorry because yeah franchise tags I think have taken the bulk out of this uh, position yeah, and, it, and, it, and it is just traditionally a position that if you get a guy at this spot you're going to do everything you can to hold on to him it's so important in this day and age to have your pass rush coming in what about yourself Ronan anyone jumping off the page yeah I, I think like like this is I think what you've seen the last few years is that uh, the only real good, like the only good pickups in inverted commas you get in the, from the edge rush is those situational kind of aging pass rushers. You can get them the cheap and you make a contribution down the, down the stretch. Like we've seen that from Dwight Freeney the last few years. The market's work could be in that situation. Chris Long, uh, Charles Johnson, Lorenzo Alexander obviously had his kind of uh, like his come out year last year at 34. Uh, like, like those guys can make a contribution, but you don't want to be the team who overpays them just because they have a little bit of production. Uh, and usually you'll get the best value for the ones who end up filtering through the cracks uh, like in like a month from now, basically. Yeah. Uh, if you end up overpaying for them this week, uh, the first week of free agency, you'll end up usually regretting it. And as we said, this is meant to be a very stocked at defence uh, draft coming up, so that's going to be a pressure mm-hmm. against some of these older pass rushers when people want to be young and cheap at that position. Uh, the, probably one of the deepest ones we're looking at this season is probably going to be the run stoppers. These kind of... Defensive tackles, 3-4 ends, these big space eaters. Uh, three big names on this are probably Calais Campbell from Arizona, Brandon Williams from Baltimore, and Ontario Poe from Kansas City. Uh, who's got your eye here? Um, I think the interesting one is is uh, is Brandon Williams to me. I mean, they're all interesting, but this is particularly interesting because of what happened with um, with Snacks Harrison last year. Yeah. Where I think people were like, including us, were like, oh, that's a lot of money to spend on a guy who's really like a two-down player and is a big... Big guy, because nose tackles have become a little bit unfashionable, I think, in the league. Oh, yeah. And the difference he made to New York was night and day in terms of, particularly in terms of run defense. A guy, like you said, can eat up blocks, uh, block two guys, and just sort of plug the hole in the middle really, really effectively. And Brandon Williams is another kind of guy who we've seen have that that level of play in in Baltimore. Um, And given that it is a declining position, given that we're seeing, you know, more small athletic guys coming through the draft, guys in sort of the Aaron Donald mold is what teams are looking at to a large extent now. He ends up becoming a really intriguing prospect because there's aren't that many players like him is the first thing. And secondly, because we've seen that 
it's always you know it's always that thing about Bill Belichick. They say, oh, he did the things people didn't expect. When everyone's going to the four three, he goes to three four, and vice versa. It's the same kind of thing. You you look at a team who can get ahead of the curve and be like New York did to an extent with with snacks. Be like, right, let's we know how teams are playing this are playing for a different kind of defense. Let's mix it up. Let's go back to something that worked beforehand. So I think the the market for him is is going to be very interesting. It's obviously scheme dependent on the type of team that thinks he can fit in. So it's very hard to know where he's going to end up. But there's a plethora of teams, be it the likes of even even to take if they could afford it. I think Houston would love yeah. that kind of thing to replace Vince Wilfork because the young guys are they're okay, but they still need more time down there. Um, so I think where he ends up is going to be very, 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 very cap space dependent. How much he gets paid is going to be a result of that, and he's going to need to be in the right scheme. But this is certainly a guy who is going to take advantage of what happened last season, and it's going to be very interesting to see how he's deployed and where he where he actually ends up landing. Yeah, no, because I think I think a lot of what you say is true for a lot of these guys. Like Don Terry Poe is a player who I think the Chiefs would love to have back, but would not love to have back at what the market is probably going to look at paying these guys. Like you say, there's not that many people who are this size, as quick, and have these levels of productions. That Harry Poe is not really a specialist on either side. He's not a specialist run blocker or a pass cover or a pass rusher. He's just quite good at all of them, which is very difficult to then put a market price on. Like Kansas City, from all that I'm hearing, are happy to say that they're going to pursue him and they're going to try and pay him, but they don't want to pay him 13, 14 million a year. They think they want to pay him more, 8 or 9 million a year. Uh, which hopefully could work out, but there's been injury issues there as well where he fell off after back surgery a little bit. He was still productive, but nowhere near what he had been. So I'll be interested to see where he goes. Again, I was I was thinking the exact same thing, Houston, but where's the cap space going to come from? There's a few teams that will be looking for this type of player. The Chiefs are going to be looking for this type of player, but they do have line rotation that they can sort of work around it as long as we don't have four players get injured again <laughs> on the defensive line. But like... Yeah. I'd love to keep him, but I don't think we're going to. I think we're going to see him in a different uniform. Yeah, I, I like like I think you know we have to talk about Calais Campbell. He's probably he's probably the only genuine uh, non scheme dependent mm-hmm. uh, defensive tackle or three four end. I think he's the only one you could probably put into a three four or four three, and he would fit equally well. I think that comes down to the fact that he does provide uh, interior pressure, both in running like both in run defense and pass defense. He's thirty one. This is his chance to get a big contract. Arizona couldn't afford him due to their own like cap, basically, shenanigans. Uh, and I think he's going to get a big contract. And I think it'll be interesting to see whether he'll be willing to take a little bit less money to end up on a team where he'll have a realistic chance of getting uh, into the playoffs, into the ring. Because I think, you know, like with the exception of Clayus Campbell, which is a very rare uh, type of player, most like the rest of this like defensive tackle class, including the one you've talked about there, there's lots of bargains that are going to be there for a team uh, in, in the later stages of free agency. Like, you know, Dominic Easley, uh, like Alan Branch, Nick Ferry, these are all players who've had some production and I think some team will end up being happy, but they are big players. I think defensive tackle is just one of those positions which is kind of on a bit of a low... Like, it's basically one of the places people are trying to save money these days uh, because they are so scheme-dependent. Yeah, no, of course. So I think it'll be interesting to see... Not just where these guys land, but then where the replacements for the teams who are losing them are going to come from. Uh, in terms of linebackers, not a huge class for this. Uh, the main name is probably Dante Hightower, and there's a pretty strong belief that he's just going to land back where he came from. Um, in this group, I'm probably interested, not so much from where he lands, but in the fact that Gerald Hodges is actually a free agent here. Uh, I'm like, the San Francisco have a ton of money he was actually a pretty good player on what was a terrible team 
why you let that guy leave is beyond me, especially because, like, it's not really a scheme issue, even if they're swapping because he's good in coverage as well. Like, I don't I don't get this at all why he's on the market, so I'll be intrigued by that, uh, where, where, where he's going to go. There's going to be a lot of suitors for him, I'd say. Uh, is there anyone jumping off at you? I suppose Dante Hightower is an interesting one. Yeah, well, Hightower is interesting, but it, it's not interesting because I, I, there's a, almost no chance New England let him walk, um, yeah. particularly after letting, obviously, Collins go... And Chandler Jones and all stuff to create cap space. It would be bizarre if New England don't don't bring a guy who is one of the best at his position in the league back. So I, I like I, I can't even discuss where he goes. I just I just don't see him leaving. Um, and it would be a bizarre thing if if he were to. So I think he will be back, and I think he will get good money because he's a three he's a three down uh, linebacker in that scheme. He he's good in uh, he's great against the run. He's decent in pass coverage. Like he's. He's what you need. There's no. There's be no reason for him to be allowed to walk. I think at this stage. Yeah. No. Fair enough. What about yourself, Fitz? Is anyone jumping out at you? Yeah. There's a lot of like a lot of risky players here. I think Zach Brown had a good season last season. Like I think for me, like there's a contrast here. Like if you're the two best options for me are contrasting. You have Zach Brown, a player who's had one good season. Uh, you know, during that in that Buffalo defense, and then you have someone like Lawrence Timmons who's been good to great for many years but seems to be slowing down as he reaches uh, his early 30s I think you know both of those could end up easily being mistakes both of them could end up being a bargain um, but I think you know an inside linebacker once again is one of those positions that people have kind of de-emphasized and are trying to save a bit of money on uh, so you could definitely get value from players like uh, Kevin Mintner or Mike Morgan or or, or, uh, or Kiko Alonso even perhaps uh, further down in, into the free agency process, I don't think it's a place that you need to go for that elite player unless you're going to go all out for a Donta Hightower. Uh, Cleveland might offer him literally 100 million. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but everyone else here, you can, kind of wait. you can basically wait on, and you can probably get someone of equal value in the draft. Yeah, um, I suppose that kind of brings us into the back end of the defense. So the defensive backs, uh, we've got safeties and, and cornerbacks kind of mixed together here. There's there's a lot of kind of good to, to quite strong names in this group. So like at cornerback you got AJ Bowie, Stefan Gilmore, Logan Ryan, uh Clayborne, a lot a lot of players uh, in that. And then in terms of safety you've got your kind of swearingers, you've got uh, Barry Church who kind of looked quite good this year and will probably be looked to try and retain there in Dallas. Like, who do you think is going to be the most likely? Because I'm, I'm going to say, like, not church where we think that they're going to stay with the team. Who do you think is going to move and who's going to get the... who's going to kind of make headlines? Fitz? I think, like, I'm interested in Arizona. Like, I think, you know, they're already losing Calais Campbell and they're almost certainly to lose one of their kind of young... Well, one of their decent safeties that they had, Tony Jefferson or DJ Swearinger. Now, they have the Honey Badger there, but obviously with all the injury issues that he's had, having that cover there perhaps like meant that the Arizona defense held up okay last season versus a disaster that you might have had now. I think it's, it's going to be tough for them because obviously that's a team which is considered to have a very tight window right now and it's losing some of the talent that would need to get over the, get over the hump. So I think, you know, Either of those are good, solid playmakers, but I do think like both of them are probably going to get overpaid a little bit uh, on the market. And I think like that's the kind of general gist I'm getting from the safety class overall. Lots of solid contributors, but I think just with the way the market is, they might have getting paid up a little bit more. For some things that won't matter because of the cap space they have, but there could be a one or two contenders may end up uh, taking a hit uh, due to taking on solid players on 
two high contracts, basically. Yeah, no, of course. Like, I'll probably look at the cornerback market here, and I would expect... So, AJ Bouye is someone who you'd want to maintain if you can, but because they've got that giant Brock Lobster sitting there eating up so much cap room, I don't think they're going to be able to pay him what he's going to be able to get out in uh, out free agency. There's a lot of teams who are going to look to try and pick up a good cornerback, someone who can be their number one cornerback and lock down maybe a side of the field or just take away a receiver each game. I think that is potentially what AJ Bowie is, or at least what he showed us last season, and what I think is going to probably end up with maybe the highest paid player outside of outside of maybe a Tony Romo. I would expect this to probably be the highest contract we're going to see coming out of this free agency period. He's going to get fucking paid. And if you can shift some things around, I wouldn't be surprised if I don't see someone like New Orleans go after it. They've been very vocal about wanting to improve their defense. They've got cap room, especially if they move some players around. And how many times did we talk about that defensive backfield over the last two years? Like when they were running into each other, forgetting where players were. You need someone like this on there because even having a quality player like him might help better train the rest of the shite you have back there. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. I mean, like Boye, there's no question, is probably the, the most intriguing out of the defensive backs. Um, I'm just going to go one briefly because he's, he's leaving us, which is Logan Ryan. Um, who it's it's interesting with Ryan because it's hard to say like how good he actually is. He's been fine for us for a while, uh, playing both the slot and outside. He's never been a number one corner. Is he going to get number one corner money? Look at who else is there. Probably. Yeah. Um, which is is so somebody's going to take a gamble on that, and like you know, Hamza players Bill Belichick like you get burned. And <laughs> um, there's, there's there's obviously a reason we're willing to let him go, but mostly it has to do with how much money he's probably going to demand. Um, it'd be interesting to see where he lands up again if cap space wasn't an issue. This is the kind of thing that you'd say Houston might want to replace AJ Boye with. The way he plays, I think Oakland is actually a a very realistic landing spot. Oakland have had some issues with their cornerbacks going back quite some time I think at this point uh, they, 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 there's been is- issues with that position pretty much since DJ Hayden never worked out for them yeah. um, and he's you know he, he's a physical strong guy he plays the type of football that they want to play down there on defence um, and like he's he's not going to be bad he's going to be serviceable at worst he may end up overpaid but he's going to be serviceable interestingly uh, I assume that there is essentially a get I believe there's a get out in the uh, in the Oakland contract that they have with Smith as well which would then free up Smith's money to go towards a different cornerback and given the problems they had with him not playing excellently in Oakland last year and not really being a fit for them that could free up the money to then allow them to go and pursue him yeah that's definitely a uh, definitely a potential um, It because yeah that was, that was one that they yeah, they, obviously Sean Smith turned out to be not quite as good as they thought he was going Swing to be. Swing and a miss, really. Yeah, it really was. So I think Ryan could definitely, definitely be ending up down uh, in God wherever the Raiders are playing next season. <laughs> yeah, like I think, I think like like Ryan is kind of like if you're looking for a contributor this year from quarterback, like a slot or like a second quarterback or something of that ilk. There's plenty of options out there. It's just that the top of the market is probably if you're looking for a genuine number one quarterback, it's Boye or Gilmore. Uh, and that that's the problem. A lot of teams are looking for that genuine number one shutdown cornerback. Uh, but if you're looking for those type of uh, system players, uh, there's kind of there's plenty of kind of those kind of players around, like Amukamore and Ryan and Carr or Clairvorn or Carroll or Munner, those kind of players. So it's it's a good year to be already pretty good as usual. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think that's that kind of covers over most of the major players. Like I said, there's a few we didn't mention because you know you don't want to listen to a five hour long podcast. And we don't want to have to do that much fucking research. So, uh, 
I think I think we'll probably leave it at that for now. So, given that it'll probably take us uh, about two days to get this out, who do you think is going to be... Now, obviously, a lot of the big names are probably going to be gone immediately. Mm. Who's going to be the surprise early signing out of the lot? If I was the betting man, I would say some of these kind of middling tackles. I think people, I think teams are, are frightened of ending up where like Minnesota were last year with no one protecting their quarterback. So you could see a player like Okun getting money a lot quicker than you might expect. Even though his own his, his only issue is that he's representing himself again. But like players oh like Okun, Beecham, Reef, Claddy, like they all got very quick and uh, Matt Khalil are all people who got quick contracts last year because they're tackles. Uh, and I think that's probably where you're likely to see people who aren't really that good getting quick contracts. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I I don't know. It's really always really hard to predict these things. Um, I think, but this might sound weird, I think John Simon is an interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, he's a very, very decent depth player, and he's the kind of guy who could just go quickly to a team that are just like, yeah, we just need a little bit of depth, we need a cheap fix, here's a guy we know can do that role, let's just get him signed up. Um, for cheap because I think John Simon knows there isn't going to be a bidding war over him <laughs> uh, so if he gets a decent offer he, he could be gone very quickly because I think he's the kind of uh, player teams love to have as a depth option a guy who, who works hard and like has has the ability to step in on a rotational basis and cover for players when they're when they're, when they're injured I, I also want to object to the lack of a kicker slash punter free agency section uh, that's some bullshit uh, the problem is that there's going to be more of that and long snappers there's going to be more of that further down yeah. because I think that um, a lot a lot of ones who are going to get cut from that from those positions are going to get cut further along I want, I want, so they my, can I want my long snapper discussion Connor but like, like say for example I'm pretty certain that we're going to cut Colquitt because Colquitt's going to cost right. about 4.1 million I think this year if we hold on to him but I think we're going to cut him slightly later so we can spread the spread I, think like a, I think it's I think it's only like 800,000 or something in dead money but it means 400,000 each season or something instead but like a lot of that stuff will happen a little bit later on as people are wang jangling their way around cap space so yes it's that term wang jangling Uh, when we were at the when we were at the the table quiz uh, last night one of the guys got confused you know the first Disney film right the first ever Disney film you know the name of it uh, the first ever Fantasia no no Steamboat Willie which is the very early Mickey Mouse but that was only like Four minutes yeah, long. Yeah, it's still a film. Oh, okay. Oh, fuck off. Fuck off. No, 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 hang on. That's not the point. All right, you know what? I won't tell you, I won't tell you my funny Go story. Go on, tell us a funny story. No, I won't. Story. You go fuck yourself. I just, I just, I just don't... I just don't... I wouldn't call anything four minutes long. It's a film. fucking table quiz. You know what the answer to that question is going to be. I didn't say feature-length film. Okay. But one of the guys um, got confused and tried to say that it was called Chugboat Mickey. Chugboat <laughs> Mickey? <laughs> Oh god! Do you know what? Definitely the porn version. Exactly. Like, do, do you know what? That has to be your uh, your your table quiz name from now yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It's now the off season. We're going to be slightly less uh, less often with these. We're probably going to do one every three or four weeks or something like that. There's not a huge amount up. Our next step will be our pre-draft uh, coverage, and then we'll have a look. Uh, given our raucous feedback to our live draft coverage, oh god, we do that again. <laughs> we might do. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> what, what date is the draft on this year? Actually? The draft is on the 27th of April. Of April. Oh, oh that, should be, that should be workable, I think. I'm back at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we might have a look at, at doing that. Uh, it's in a new city again. Uh, the, the, the city of uh, brotherly love, uh, which is exactly what... Uh, RG one is going to be uh, <laughs> going to be receiving uh, that and a face full of batteries. I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man. But yeah, um so as always, uh this was a long one so we couldn't do any of your questions, but please do keep them coming in, all that kind of stuff. Uh we'll be back to you probably in about three or four weeks for our pre draft special. We're gonna have to time that one especially because I'm gonna be disappearing off to Africa again for a little bit. Yeah. But uh not as long this time, so it should be okay. So I suppose that's uh goodbye from myself, goodbye from Harry. Goodbye. Goodbye from Roland. Bye. This has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in our draft preview soon. <laughs>